0: Welcome back to the Thrill of Victory podcast. My name is Seth Yates and joining me as always is the legendary Will Fane. And today we're going to talk a little college basketball. We mentioned it last episode. I've been working in collegiate athletics for the last three or so years, but we haven't really dove into that yet. And so today Will and I are going to talk about it. wills he's been a part of that ride for a little while. We lived together in college. He's heard a lot of it already, and so now we're excited to bring that to you guys.
1: Get to bring with life all the fun stories of some of our good college days.
0: Some of the very stress-filled mornings that I had <laughs> working as a manager for the Texas A&M men's basketball program.
1: Perfect. So I guess, yeah, we can start out with that. I mean, so kind of the time frame-wise, what when did you really start working with A&M's basketball program?
0: So I didn't have, you know, the most typical journey uh, through all of that. I had started out um, just working camps with them when Billy Kennedy was there. Uh, Just worked kind of all the summer camps and then tried to get on with them as a manager, but they didn't have an open spot. So I kind of had to find something else. Just kind of coached at Brazos Christian, uh, one of the high schools over there. Did that for a year, coached their seventh grade boys. Come back, work camps again the following summer. Same thing; they really liked me, but they didn't have a spot for me, so I went back to Brazos Christian, coached the varsity team, and then after that, going into my senior year, they told me, "Hey, we've got a spot. We'd we'd like you to to be on board with us." And that was um, Coach Williams' first year on, with the team, and so that was kind of unique coming in as a, a first year manager as a senior. It was weird. In the sense that, you know, I was older than a lot of the guys that I was working with. But at the same time, I knew the least about what we were going on. Because one of the things that I learned was it's a process from day one. Everything has a specific way that it needs to be done. And I was somebody who wants to know why we're doing something. And so you tell me why we're doing something. I'll understand it and it will be set up to perfection each and every time because I know I understand it. And so it just took me a little while to fit, pick up on the process. And so that was one of the weirdest things was having these guys who were younger than me kind um, of step up to me like, Hey, let, let me show you the ropes. Let me show you how to do this.
1: Big, big learning curve there.
0: That oh, was a huge uh, so, learning curve. I
1: mean, curve. you were talking about, you know, with that new whole new coaching staff. And I mean, just looking back over his complete tenure that he's in right now, Buzz seems to be a process kind of guy. Like he's always really explaining the why you do this or why you do that. There's a whole process, one of how he coaches, how his teams play. So, I mean, was that a big, major part of the whole organization? 100%.
0: And I think that's a huge part is um, just, you know, the knowledge that I have of the game was because he explained it his way of explaining things was in the best way for me to pick it up and to learn it. And so when we'd be in practice and, you know, a guy would mess up and he would be like, no, no, no. I'm like, what happened? Well, I, I didn't get there. Why weren't you there? And then he'd begin to explain to the, to the kid, why we're doing what we're doing. Not, it's not just, I need you in the short corner, looking both. You're coming for the, the drop off. He explained why he needed him here, not closer, not further. And then how everything was all connected and working together as to your teammates know where you're going to be. You need to be here. This is why you need to be here. And so I think me getting to experience that for a year behind the camera, I did all of our video stuff. And so I was up on the balcony. And I think that was honestly the best thing for me, too, at that time, because then I wasn't on the court with a towel. You know, anxiously looking for sweat, trying to wipe something up, make sure the court was good and so that we didn't have something happen. I was up there on the camera. So when he had a teaching point like that, I was able to just leave the camera pointed and just tune into what he was saying and just kind of pick it up. And I think that was something that at the time I was a little kind of upset that I didn't get to be on the court because that's where you want to be, right? That's where the training happens, that's where the teaching happens. But for me to get to sit up there and just listen, I think that really. Really, just kind of expounded the knowledge that I had, and made it something that I would never thought it would be.
1: Right. So, how do you think some of that would translate into your coaching style now with the team that you're currently with?
0: I think that translates, and now I want to be like that. And whatever I'm telling them what we're doing, what I've what I found myself doing so far is I'll give them I'll give them a drill, they'll do it. I'll then correct it. They'll give two more reps, and then I I step in and I explain, this is why we're doing this. I've told the story before about whenever I was working on pick and roll passes with the, with our guard, he did it a few times, and then I had to step in. I'm like, look, every whenever you come off the pick and roll, it's going to be a different look every time. You can't script what the defense is going to look like. You have to be, be ready to make the play regardless of what's going on. So whether that's you're getting it off quick or you got to drag it a little bit longer and get around the big man, you have to get it there depending on what they're doing. If you just come off one dribble pocket pass, that's not going to be there every time. And he kind of he understood it. He received it in the way that uh, I was kind of hoping for him to. And then in open gym a few days later, he saw it and he pointed at me and told me that he saw it and recognized it because he understood that's why we're working on that pass.
1: It's, I mean, I think that's a staple in basketball is being able to read and react. I mean, in sports in general, mm-hmm. I mean, quarterbacks have to read and react to the defense at pre-snap everything before they even make a play. Same with the the point guard of the offense for a basketball team. I mean, you've got to be able to see, I mean, are, is, is this team running a two, three zone? Do you want to, do we want to attack them from the three point line? Do we want to play an inside out game, trying to get the post more involved? Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially in the pick and roll, I mean, it's, Oh, am I going to get double teamed or am I going to have an easy pass to my big man to go get a layup or are they going to play off and let me shoot the jumper? I mean, there's so many different ways to attack the pick and roll.
0: Right. And then everybody plays it differently. You got to switch, you'll get a hedge, you'll get drop coverage, you'll get a little plug and you just got to be able to read and react. Like we'll obviously we'll scout, we'll tell you, Hey, this is what you're probably going to see. But I mean, as, I mean, as you see in sports, the game plan doesn't always go to, it doesn't always go to plan. Every time you draw it up, it would be amazing if we set a plan forward. And then from the tip off, our plan is executed perfectly and it works. And we just kind of cruise to a victory. That would be awesome, but you gotta be able to adapt and read. And sometimes maybe a guy's late getting there. You have to be able to read and react and and make a play based on what you have in front of you. I'll say one thing that I really appreciate it about buzz. Some people call it kind of corny, but it's something that just in the way that I am and how I get motivated, it it worked for me, but that didn't really matter. Right. I wasn't playing, but he he was really big on his quote shirts and, and being inspirational for the guys. And those, they would just have little sayings of stuff that we would talk about as little reminders. And the one that I've always clung to, Um, was he was he was talking to the team and then the next day that we get a shirt that says true confidence comes from your actions and so basic or no true confidence comes from your work the only way to truly feel confident in yourself on the court is through the effort that you put in on the practice floor and all the effort and work and sweat and blood and tears that you put in with your teammates is going to give you the confidence to play in game time when it matters and that's something that speaks to me. Since I'm no longer playing anymore, I feel I still feel as though I'm competing, whether I was doing you know video just a part of the team or now as an assistant coach. Something that I really truly hold on to. That I the way I look at it now is I feel that I know what I'm talking about because of the work that I've put in. So whenever I'm talking X's and O's with our coach, I know what I'm co- talking about. I feel truly confident in what I'm bringing him because of the work that I've put in all the hours at a and m all the time i've spent studying film working with our guys looking at our opponent just through all of the work that i have done i now feel confident with what i'm doing and that's honestly been the weirdest part for me is just talking basketball with people who have been in this industry for so long i was telling one of uh, the assistant coaches at oregon state tim shelton telling him before i left i was "I i appreciated him because he talked to me like no coach had ever talked to me before. He and I would talk, and we would. And it, normally, when you talk to a coach, exiting those, they'll tell you their thoughts on it. And then that's kind of that because they've been doing this for a lot longer. I want to learn. I'm a, I want to sponge as much as I can. I want to pick it up. I want to soak it up. And, but Tim, when he and I would talk, he would then ask me, What would you do? what do you think? And so then I would give him my point and he'd be like, so what about this? And then I'd have to respond to that. And so that was really one of the first times that I truly got to talk X's and O's with a coach. And that was easily one of the coolest things that I got to experience.
1: Oh yeah. And then I kind of piggyback off of, you know, some of those quote shirts, I guess for people who don't know, buzz is a huge uh, social media guy. I mean, I'm always seeing him post, different stuff on his Instagram or his Twitter. And a lot of times he posts those videos that you get the quotes from for the quote Mm -hmm. shirts. So, I mean, it's easy to see that he's a huge motivation kind of guy, but it's also fun to see how that translates one onto the court, but then also in people's lives, because you can tell one. Yeah. He'll motivate you. He'll do whatever he can to get the most out of you. But at the same time, he's going to be your biggest cheerleader on mm-hmm. and off the court. Right. So, I mean, what, what are what are some things that you could see just from being your time with him, just seeing how he acts off the court and on the court?
0: Yeah. I mean, you said it best. He's He is the biggest supporter of his guys. He is a player's coach through and through. He's extremely intense, but that's just because he loves the guys and he, lo- he loves the process. Of being great, and so whenever practice isn't perfect, it truly upsets him because he he's so in love with the process and so obsessed with the process of of working that he doesn't accept less than your best. And I think that you know he he gets onto the guys sometimes because you're not giving me your best. I know I know you can give me more, and then when they get when they do and they break through and they they see it and everything kind of clicks for him. He just, he gets so excited and he loves it. And that was something that was really cool. Like you said, you've he's posted a lot of those motivational speeches and stuff. Note th- where those quotes come from. And then the, the whole shirt thing that just goes back to building the culture because now you've got all these different reminders of who, who we are, what we are. This is what we do. Another a big one during my senior year, there was, you know, what's your water level at, which is talking about, you know, you've got your your bucket full of water. How much water are you carrying for the team? Is your bucket full? Or are you half? Or is it is it empty? Or are you just going through the motions? How what's your water level at? And so that was that was one of our shares that was. I thought that one was really cool. Yeah, just you you can see it the way he goes to bat for his guys on the court, and then even after after that loss to Tennessee in the SEC championship, whenever they were told they were like the first team out or second team out, or whatever it was uh his speech that he gave you there was some mixed mixed responses to it but i feel like those people who have been around him and know who he is and the way that he goes about things could just tell like when i heard i could i could hear the emotion i could hear his, his feelings in it and he was truly heartbroken for those guys like quentin jackson who'd been been there for three years was kind of the heart and soul of that team put them together and he got his chance of an NC tournament NCAA tournament berth taken away from him just like that. And that was something that I think truly kind of bothers Buzz that his guys don't get that.
1: Right. And it, you bring up uh Quentin Jackson. Buzz just in his time at AM, I mean, he has had some fantastic players. I mean, Quentin Jackson for one, you had Josh Nebo, who I think is one mm-hmm. of the best big men that AM's had. And uh, even Wendell Mitchell, who was a transfer from Baylor, I believe, and and I mean he's and it's it seems like a lot of his guys very early on they buy in and they buy all the way in. So I mean, what is that just the culture kind of thing that you were talking about to get these guys to buy in so quickly?
0: I think so. I think it's it's the culture that he sets, and so I think that was the big deal for season one, um, which was his season one was my last year at Am was setting the culture and setting the tone of this is how we do things. I think you've seen guys like Quentin Jackson be super successful who you know Quentin was a guy who came from Juco Coach Williams got his start uh in Juco and so he kind of like there's like a connection there right because they've they've both mm-hmm. been through it they both know what it takes to uh to get from there to to where they're at. But it, it's another thing is he wants guys who are hungry, right? He wants guys who have that dog in them. The, the,
1: the, the grind it out, bring your lunch pail every day kind of guy. Yeah.
0: The guys who know the value of the opportunity that they're being given and they're not going to take it away because you'll have sometimes you'll have kids come in and they're just, okay, this is cool. This is where I should be, right? I'm I should be here. I'm just going to kind of do my thing. And then you've got those guys who had to grind it out, had to work who were like, you were, you're good, but there's something there. You got to go prove it at a junior college level. And now they've got this opportunity to then play at a high major school. And they're just, they're beyond thrilled for the opportunity. And they're just going to make the most of it. And I truly believe that was, that was Q. I just remember so many times feeding him shots, feeding him shots, feeding him shots over and over and over. He's Q is probably one of my favorite players that I've, worked with just in general he's a stand-up guy during a i think it was during the elementary school night so that was where like all the elementary schools in the area there's probably about six or so they all got to come to a to a women's game and so they just kind of packed Reed arena with a bunch of kids under the age of like 12 and it Mm -hmm. was pure chaos and so they were going excited and q and i were working during that time and so i said hey would you mind talking to my sister real quick and he was like heck yeah let's go and so i walk out of the tunnel with him i call my sister in front of all her fans or her friends she thought it was probably the coolest thing um ever but he he sat there and took the time to just you know talk to my sister uh was super polite was asking her questions engaging with her made her feel special for the i don't know like 90 seconds that we were talking before we had to go but that was—it's just stuff like that. Q's a special guy. You can kind of see why he was so, um, kind of beloved by a And M in his yeah. time there.
1: I think even even with just Buzz's culture, I think it fits a lot with a And M's culture in a sense because mm-hmm. it's we're always going to find our own way to kind of outwork anybody. Mm-hmm. That's just how a And M is. That's I mean, that's just how all sports are for a And believe. And I think it was a it was a great thing. To See him from year one, kind of never really starting, came off the bench a lot. Year two, a little bit more of the same, but he got you could see even more potential. And then that year three, I mean, mm-hmm. he just he just took off. I mean, uh, could I mean contender for SEC play of the Year for in yeah. my eyes, right? I mean, he, he nobody could stop him,
0: right? And so, what one thing that was really cool was his freshman year. He was, or not his freshman year, his first year there, he kind of struggled a little bit with one of our defensive concepts. And it was one of those things that he was struggling with it one day, just kind of had just had a day where it, he just wasn't, not that he wasn't there, but like he was just a step slow with it the was concept. Just an off day. Yeah, it was just an off day. And Buzz was not going to let that stand. And so he made him do this one defensive drill. I don't know how I don't know how long we did it maybe like 20 minutes 15 minutes something like that but Q was not allowed to sub off from his spot that was doing the probably the most running the most moving he was not allowed to come off the court so he had to stay there and he worked him and worked him and worked him and worked him until he finally got out of it and clicked and was like this is the culture that we're at this is the standard that we're going to hold ourselves to and that was just kind of how they were uh there was another time we were we had a we were doing a a mic and drill contest, not like a contest, but like a a mic and drill. We had to hit a certain number in a certain amount of time, and then they had a partner. They're rotating off, and we kept missing it, kept missing it. And then one day, um, Coach McNeely, who's now at TCU, he just kind of stops the practice, and he's like, "Guys, I'm sorry, that this is on, like this is on me. The nu- the number that we have, um." This is on me. It, I might have said it a little high, but we said that we're going to finish. We said that we're going to get it. So that's on me for giving us a number that's a little high, but we're going to get it. Like, I've, I've never seen that before. It was like, the number's too high. I understand. That's my fault. But we, we're going to finish it. We can't quit. So we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And they got it, like, probably three, probably two two times later. But it, I just remember I saw that and I, that was so cool. That was such a cool moment just to see.
1: Right. So I think that's kind of a, a staple in Buzz's culture is the not giving up. Because I mean, one of my favorite stories that you've told me is that in, in that first year, uh, the, the boot camp started <laughs> for AM and and it was you, you've got to earn all of the gear for the season you've got to earn to practice and read
0: so, right. i mean just
1: kind of get into some of that stuff of not letting you know any of your brothers quit on this team because i mean that that's a I feel like that's an organization thing i mean you were getting to the gym at i mean early hours of the morning and staying staying late nights trying to get everything ready for these these uh boot camp practices
0: yeah the the way i i remember it was we started at 5 a.m and so everything had to be set up by 4 a.m. So I had to be at the gym by about 3.45. So I was waking up at 3 a.m. for a week straight. Uh, and then we would go from about five, probably there's four groups. So we'd go from like five to seven, 7.45. And it was crazy because then by Friday, my body was like wide awake by five o'clock. And I was, I don't, I did not like that. That was super weird. But yeah, it was, it was really interesting. It was a really awesome concept that I hadn't really thought of. But uh, it was, it was hard work. It was conditioning. It was a lot of mental toughness. Of we, you uh, we will not quit. You are going to get through this. You have to dig deep and find a way to to make these times. And then the the thing that I thought was really interesting on that was. There wouldn't be, it wouldn't be everybody running at a time. There would be like groups of, there like probably three lines, four lines. And so some lines have five, some lines have six or whatever the numbers were, but they would run. And then you didn't have, not everybody didn't have to run the same amount. If you couldn't go, somebody else would step up and take it. And so it was one of those things of you can take time off, but you're going to put, it's going on to your teammate. Somebody's going to have to pick it up. And that's where zach walker was just an absolute animal he was i'm sure you've seen it on the the twitter account the instagram he was boot camp mvp probably more times than anybody of the seven days he probably had five of them because he was just in machine stepping in filling where somebody needed it. but it was like a, a week or so of that of just running making time sprinting and then it's really interesting though because also like they did it so now We've gone through this as a team. We've gone through this together. It kind of goes into a lot of like that motivational stuff that Buzz talks about. We have put so much into this that we're not going to quit because we're down early in a game. We have put Mm -hmm. too much time, too much sweat, too much energy into us getting here that we're not going to roll over because now we're down 10 points in the first three minutes of a game.
1: So what kind of what kind of relationship do you think that that kind of boot camp really molds for the team, but also the organization in general? Because all of you are in it together, and you can see on the sidelines the the all the players, all the coaches, all the support staff. I mean, anything that happens on that court, everyone is involved. Everyone is up and down, jumping up, getting excited, getting everybody pumped up, and it just seems like a a long lasting type of relationship with everyone Mm -hmm. that was involved with it right
0: well first off we weren't all on the same team uh the managers were responsible for counting how many times we called it a hawk which is hands on knees and after a certain number they had to then have when they did their sprints a medicine ball or a basketball or a football had to be held and if it touched the ground it added a sprint and we were the ones in charge of co- counting those and calling those out so the players did not like us very much for that week but like you said it really did bring everybody together i it, it was tough the guys the guys absolutely hated it but they gutted it out because they were doing it together they were playing with each other for each other and i i truly feel that it really brings the team together going through something something with, with such adversity as as many sprints as they did, I honestly don't even remember it was so many. But just the adversity of going through all of that really brings the team together. And I think that's a special thing that, you know, you can't you can't measure that on a basketball court. The closeness right. that a team has, the chemistry that they have, just the love that they have for one another. It's such a huge factor in the game that you can't put a number on.
1: So uh, being, being with Buzz for that first year, I mean, I can't remember he got – A C SEC or was it it was either SEC or AP coach of the year because I mean I know the season started out a little shaky but they really came back in that back half of the season and it seemed like nobody really wanted to go against them I mean the defense was on fire they had a great win streak going into the SEC tournament but -hmm. then unfortunately as we all know COVID hit the SEC tournament gets cancelled the NCAA tournament gets cancelled so you, you just want to go into a little bit of like how special that first season really was. I mean, to have Coach of the Year as a first-year coach in the SEC, one of the big mm-hmm. leagues. I mean, you've got Rick Barnes at Tennessee, who was also so great at Texas. I mean, you've got Coach Calipari over in Kentucky, uh, Bruce Pearl at Auburn. I mean, there's a lot of really good coaches. And for Buzz mm-hmm. to win that in his first year is something really special, I think.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. The, uh, the guys – really kind of clicked they bought in and they turned a corner and it was just really cool because in one of the i only got to watch probably about four shots live all year and most of i think almost all of those were at auburn when we beat we won at auburn they were like number 17 in the country it was their first home loss of the year uh to just see it was really cool because we saw what happens when they buy in and the culture and they stop listening to the outside voices. You start listening to the people who are outside the program who think they know what's best. When you listen to the coaches, you buy into the system, you buy into the culture, good things are happening. And we, we really felt that we had a chance to, to make a really good run in the sec tournament. I we think we had that um, we had a matchup with Mi- it was Missouri. Missouri. We had Missouri in the first round, and we were getting ready for it. We were doing our pregame walkthrough in the hotel room when we got the news that everything was shut down. But yeah, that was uh, it was a really cool thing to get to see.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I I know that you were talking about some of the, the film work behind the scenes you were kind of doing. So, I mean, did you really focus a lot on videoing practices? That way people <laughs> could kind of go back and look to see what – kind of small mistakes they were kind of making to fix for games but then also recording games uh so they could see actually in a game move of how it was you know playing out
0: right so i got super lucky with all of that uh before i even got on with a&m my dad and i were talking and he showed me an article of i forgot the guy's name but uh he was talking about being a video coordinator. You, you get your PhD in basketball because that's all you're looking at. That's all you're, you're studying, all the little bits of it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I would love to do that. And so that was one of the, when I was trying to get on with A&M, my like freshman, sophomore, junior years, I uh, specifically asked, do you guys need any help in there? And they're like, no, we're okay. And so when I got there, I joined in July. Right before school starts, we had a manager who was doing all the video stuff and he he quit for, I don't remember what reason, I think it was school, but he ended up leaving. And so we our video coordinator, who's now an assistant coach at Sam Houston State, Mike Econom, um, he was doing it one day and I, was, I just kind of asked, was so like, hey, can I do it? And he was like, sure, you want to do it? Here you go. Taught me real quick the basics of it and then taught me a little bit more in depth. And now um, that kind of grew into I went from the the new guy who was trying to figure out the ropes as one of the oldest guys there to I was the only manager who went to every single SEC road game. Uh, the only road trips I didn't go to were the ESPN tournament in Orlando. But I got, I got to code everything else. Um, which was basically using huddle sports code we'd live capture practice and then i'm i've got hotkeys on the computer i've got a code window i've got buttons and then i'm just clicking starting it stopping it, the code so that afterwards the coaches can look at it and they say they i want to see this drill they click it every single rep of that drill i want to see five on five i want to see that we roll it and then when it gets to games, I want to see every one of Savion's shots click it. I want to see every offensive rebound that we had click it. I want to see every foul we committed on defense. All of that was what I was doing behind the scenes so that as soon as the game was over, they had it cut up. And I, I really learned from that. It was really cool to kind of get to make my own, but at the same time, I was working with Mike. And then because... um I was doing such a good job he began to trust me with other video projects just kind of learning more than in the ins and outs of what video looks like at this level and what it takes and what the coaches want to see and I, that was kind of my first experience to that and i it was really fun and i enjoyed it
1: awesome so with this co- i mean it's really it sounds like it's breaking down a lot of just film in general but it's getting to like the really f- finite mm-hmm. details of like, you know, this guy shot this kind of percentage in this mm-hmm. game, and then here's how we can kind of fix that, or this right. is what's really working best for our team in general. This is what we need to work on. So, I mean, how, how much into that does this really help the coaches kind of game plan for games in the future or just like what to work on in practice?
0: Well, if you want to get super technical, it has Sport using sports code, it has codes and labels. And so with doing that is I can have a code open and have multiple labels within each code. So when it comes to a game, I would have the offensive code and defensive code. And then within the offensive code was every player, the result to the possession, minus two, plus two, minus three, plus three, fouled, plus one for a free throw. And then you could even go further and and include what play did we run, have that attached to it. Was it an inbounds? Was it an out of bounds? Was it after a timeout? Um, were they in a zone? Was it man? And you can look at it this way. And then after the game, you can look at every single possession that we had um, against the, the zone. You can look at every possession that each player had. You can export all of this information kind of into that sheet. So you can look at when we ran this play, we, it was a much more effective play than this play. So we need to obviously work on that one, run this one more. This guy was really, really good this game um, within our offense because then we also had it broken down to we, shot, we got a shot from the offense. We got it from outside of the offense or kind of like an in the middle breaking off a play and going from there you can see this guy really operated well within the offense this guy did not so you see who knows the offense who doesn't it just it's super in-depth different look at what all the numbers mean because you've you've got your sports you've got your effective field goal percentage and adjusted tempo and all that other fun stuff but using this you can look at your team specifically and you can then change it to whatever you want to find um which i thought i thought was really cool and then what i enjoyed about it was it made me learn our offense too mm-hmm. right cuz you you stand you can stand there and kind of know it kind of have oh, i have an idea but whenever my job the the product that i was giving to the coaching staff was hey this is our game and these are the plays that we ran i need to know what play we're running so that i don't give them the wrong play so that I, moving forward, we're not running something that we should have stopped running three weeks ago because I coded it wrong because we made a tweak and I didn't catch it. The most interesting moments for me was whenever coming out of a timeout when Buzz would draw something up because that's not something I had. And so we would run it and I'm sitting there going, I don't know what's going on right now. And then I would just, (laughs) I would have to ask when they'd come in from halftime, what was that? Oh, that was a draw up. Cool, thanks. Um, Perfect. And then you kind of learned what he liked, and so I would kind of know, oh, that's that's a draw up play. Um, but yeah, it was because
1: yeah, Buzz is really known for a lot of those draw up plays, you know, coming out of a timeout or mm-hmm. inbounds plays to really get his playmakers in the best position to make a play, essentially.
0: Right end outs and side outs and coming out of timeouts are some of the strengths that they had well that's going to do it for us this week um as always it was a pleasure brother
1: hey always is bye everyone